0: Uh, hi, Richard.
1: Hi, John. How are you doing today?
0: I'm recovering from Baltimore Comic Con. Hi, everybody. Bronze and Gods. You got John and Richard here. Uh, how you feeling? Everything uh, back to normal yet? Yeah, I had some adventures with traveling, returning,
1: but other than that, uh, yeah, we both did. I think. Yeah. Did you have your luggage?
0: This at least. My luggage came with me, and like yours. <laughs> okay, well, hey, in case you guys missed uh, all the live streams, uh, we had fraught travel there and back, uh, but we're all home. Got my clothes back, uh, got my books, and I just want to, you know, give a little shout out to a couple people from Baltimore. First of all, thank you for everyone that came up to the Wacom booth and said hi. It was amazing. We are very, very humbled
1: absolutely it's been it was a great reception we got there and we met some awesome
0: people in the course of those three days uh, great dealers, great booths uh, there is a walkthrough video on the channel if you can take the vertigo sorry about that we, uh, we, we learn every time we go to a show Richard don't we uh, about the yeah. technical stuff Yeah, we'll, we get better every time. So we have a stabilizer for the camera for next time. So there's that. And speaking of learning things, uh, we learned that the Wi-Fi there really blows. So we have to get a hardwire uh internet connection next time if such a thing exists. Uh, we did learn one thing and was successful, and that is our lighting. We want to give a special thanks to our good friend and listener, Mike Durst. For providing the professional, and I mean professional, lighting that yeah. made Richard and I look so good. I felt like I was on the new show. It was really, really great. He was
1: excellent through the entire show, just accommodating and understanding. And uh, this show would not have looked as good or have been as good without him. We stood we stood
0: out simply because of the lighting in the yeah. entire entire show. So that was impressive so we have our lessons learned we've got to work on the wi-fi next because when we want to live stream we want you guys to be able to see it uh i have been reposting some of the stuff in a little higher quality if you want to go back this week and and view, view those they're up there again uh we just heard so many great stories of uh, richard about how comics are changing people's lives i would recommend watching the fantastic interview that one looks and sounds good yep. and uh good stuff. Uh, and we have a lot of books to show off from Baltimore that we did not show on the live stream. So stay tuned for that. We also have underrated books of the week, the 25 year rule and viewer mail, but first our hot book of the week, Richard, uh, you go ahead and take the, this one real quick. Cause this is more up your alley. Yeah, this is the spider Gwen
1: annual number one, the one in 100, uh, Young Lee variant. Um, uh, this is one of his, um, one of his covers. He's done a number of Spider Gwen covers over uh, the years, especially store variant covers. One of one of my favorite covers is the one that he did for Frankie's Comics uh, back in I think it was twenty nineteen. He did uh, a number of different variants. Um, really, really attractive covers. Then this cover, uh, I, I you know I saw it when it came out, and you know my my immediate reaction with Spider Gwen plus um his his work is to buy it i i I really just did not feel this was um his better work and i
0: i actually passed on it it for those of you on the podcast it's a virgin variant cover that features gwen putting on her ballet slippers Mm -hmm. and it's just as quiet a moment as it sounds (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's it maybe maybe
1: i'm so used to dynamic action in my covers that just something as simple and quiet as her putting shoes on just doesn't inspire me the way that uh, some of her other covers, but other covers were static too. So, I mean, that, you know, it's not every artist hits a home run out of the park every single time, but this one is going for is popular, you know, a 100, 180 to $200 for raws, which I think is amazing. not stopping people. Yeah, it's not, you know, that's, that's almost, you know, up to twice the the ratio. And if it holds there, you know, I I noticed there's been a number of books that I that have gone for, you know, double ratio, you know, one in 100, one in 50s. Uh, I I just don't know if they're going to hold out for that for that um, for that value long term. You know, the the Wonder Woman cover for the uh, the uh, Gnort Swimsuit Edition. It's, it's nice and it's been holding value, but is it going to hold value for a year? I mean, are we going to look back at this in 2024 and see that this is, uh, you know, a fraction of its value? You know, let, let, you know, let us know what, what what your opinions are of these modern variants, especially the ratio variants and their ability to hold value. Are we still chasing variant covers like this? I,
0: this it feels very 2021 to me.
1: Yeah, it does. It does. I, I you know, Marvel has gone overboard on the variant covers as as you know have they as they've done for the last few years but uh, it just really feels contrived nowadays the way they're making a covers and b covers and then virgin a covers and then you know different trade dress b cover you know it's it's this they're just swapping around these different adjectives to produce different variants and it really doesn't provide value and 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 uh, again i I just when there's so many covers for a series or a particular title, it dilutes the value, and you know it's it makes it difficult for any one cover to rise above the the others.
0: Well, it also boosts the numbers, uh, you know, uh, when you've got. I don't know. I don't know if incentive covers are counted towards the order. I'd have to ask my retailer friends about that. But yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not feeling this one at all, but. You know, we we we're old. We'll yeah. see. Hey, stuff stuff can sell that I don't like. <laughs> you know, I'm,
1: and you know, uh again, he's a very popular artist and uh people may be specking on him on and the art. Um, just like people spec on, you know, Art Adams uh variant uh, or incentive covers because they tend to hold value. Uh just look at young uh young allies number six. That's um uh, this is only a one in fifteen variant, the that Firestar cover. And it's going for mad money at this point.
0: It just shows you how few people were ordering Young Allies, the book. You know? <laughs> right, To each their own, I suppose. Speaking of to each their own, we have a show and tell. <laughs> I've got some books that not many people want, uh, which you know <laughs> worked in my favor uh, uh, at Baltimore Comic Con. A lot of these are from Baltimore Comic Con uh-huh. uh, that I did not show on the live stream. And then some are uh, a few that I got On the way uh, back home this week and this week as well, Um, first one I did show, I just want to show it again because I know the live stream was having issues. It's Love and Rockets number one, Mm -hmm. the magazine, first print, 6.0, old slab. It is a 6.0. There's no change in this book, but the asking price was what tipped me over the line. The guy, Richard, was there. The guy was asking $200 for it. And I said, "Will you do 150?" And he said, "Sure." And I don't think I got my phone out fast enough to Venmo him the money. Um, not bad. It's got you know, uh, it's got some corner stress here. It's got some corner stress here. That's, and then there's a big vertical uh, non-color breaking bend here that I could crack this and press out a whole bunch of stuff. As I'm looking at it. I don't think it's worth it, Richard. What do you think?
1: Oh um, no, I, I saw that book when you picked it up, I, and it's a solid six. Um, I don't know if it's worth trying to get a six five out of it, given the fees that CGC has nowadays.
0: Um, and you know, I, I just don't think there's value in it, and having to wait for it to come back because it's a magazine. And we yeah. know you have a you have a magazine there right now, so um, finally came back. Oh, finally came back. Uh,
1: Way <laughs> okay. Well, well, we'll talk about that book then. Uh, I sent off uh, a couple of books to be reholdered, uh, not to be regraded, reholdered, although they reserve the right to regrade the book if they feel I, I don't know what the criteria for their justification of if they feel like it, apparently,
0: if they damage it while uh, opening it up or uh inspecting the book, who knows?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming if 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 the inner well shows damage, then they have they take an opportunity to reevaluate. Uh, This particular book I had uh, and I dropped it on my press. Had it in my hand, dropped it on my, my cast iron press, and it cracked the case. So, oh, the
0: case. Okay. Yeah, I the thought case. you meant the book when you were pressing the book. Okay. Oh, no,
1: no, no, no. no! I just had it over it and I, and I dropped it. It is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one. This is a third print. Uh, but it's a nine four. It's you know it's it's a high grade third print. You know you you just showed a book with an all black cover, an indie book. Um, these indie books are really 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 tough to get in high grade because they just did not see the same um, level of protection, let's say, as as um, Marvel or DC books. Now this one has a number of. I didn't bother trying to get it regraded because it's got a number of issues. There's a there's a big issue when you can't see it there. Big issue right here. You can see that white spot, yeah. Um, and there's some there's some um, rubbing on the spine. So nine four, I think, is more than fair for this book. Uh, and I have it back. Um, this is probably going to go up for sale because I just at at Baltimore, I submitted my um, second print that I bought, and we'll see what that comes back. It's not going to be a nine four. I can guarantee you that. But I'd rather have the second print than than the third print, to be honest.
0: That's not the one you dropped on the press. You dropped it, and that's why you had to get a reholder. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's like you didn't get that back and drop it on the press, did
1: no, you? No, 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 no. That's why I had it reholder. I, I did that like a year and a half ago. Okay. And the, the whole issue with – this is a magazine book. We were just talking about CGC and magazines. And they are, they are handled separately than regular comics. And whoever's handling them doesn't have as large of a staff as the – as the uh, regular comics, so it takes longer. Uh, it used to take 250 days, 200, you know, 80 days was not uncommon for a magazine. It's faster now, but um, it's still not as fast as regular comics.
0: Uh, my next book, I got, I, I saw this from the same dealer at Long Beach Comic Con. He was there as well, and I was looking at it, and I was kicking the tires on it. And I took a look at it, took it out of the bag. I'm being good, people, being really good. Hard. And I'm glad I did because I found a little spot of what is probably color touch on it. The dealer is a really good dealer. Um, He didn't notice it until I pointed it out. We both still were unsure if it was color touch or not. I opened it up and looked at the inside front cover and there is bleed through, just a tiny little dot of black bleed through. But I'm going to show you. Well, Richard and I ran into him uh, at Baltimore and he had the same book and I said, you know, he had it for five hundred, and I said, you know, he, he had it set aside. He did not have it out again because he hadn't had a chance to pull it and reprice it. And I said, would you take two fifty for Because I'm thinking restored half of what it's worth. Right. And he's like, no, I can't do two fifty, but I'll do three hundred. Again, my phone came out with lightning fast speed. <laughs> it is astonishing. Number six. Uh, this is the final issue featuring Marvel boy and Bill Everett inside. So now I have all of my Marvel boys, except Marvel boy. Number one, I still (laughs) need a Marvel boy. Number one, but here's the thing. there's a little black dot right here, see see that. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense to have color touch there because the robe is purple. So why would somebody have black color touch there but it does bleed through so the dealer and i were kind of like well six and one half dozen of the other we're, were maybe it's colored they hammer it so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna do a little scrapey scrapey uh-huh. take it off because it's already got chips out you know you see the chips out now even if you scrape it though that bleed through
1: is still going to re- qualify it as restored right not if i scrape it all the way out
0: richard oh, okay so you're going to do a complete. Going to do an excavation, so uh, let's see how that goes. I'll keep you guys posted. Uh, what do you have next, yeah. or do you have any questions about my Marvel boy? <laughs> no, that's that's great. I was just going to describe
1: the cover for the for the uh, podcast. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. This cover has nothing to do with what's inside
1: this book, by the way. <laughs> it's a gentleman in a purple. Well, I'm making an assumption. It's someone in a purple robe, um, a, getting ready to attack a woman in a glass, clear glass
0: coffin. And don't forget the guy in the purple robe has lobster claws for hands. It
1: does have lobster claws and there's more of them coming down the aisle. That's that's a very interesting cover. And it says, my coffin is waiting across the bottom. It's lovely.
0: Yeah. um, Not quite sure what's going on. Some fever dream. I mean, I guess this is when uh, Coca-Cola still had cocaine in it. And the artist was like slugging it. (laughs) Yes, it did have cocaine. Yeah, delicious coke.
1: Uh, my my next book was actually a gift. This was given to me by uh, Mike Durst, the the gentleman who did our, did our lighting, and I, it's the gift that just keeps on on coming. I really appreciate him and all the effort that he put in. But he he knew uh, knows of my uh, love for Usagi Jimbo and uh, Stan Sakai's work, so he got me this comic interviews with um, Usagi on the cover awesome book. I, 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 knew of this book. I just did not have it in my collection. So, um, he, he brought this to, uh, to the show and give gave it to me and I really appreciate it. And this is a permanent part of my collection.
0: Shout out to Mike again. Uh, this one, Richard and I were walking around the, the, uh, the, Convention floor in Baltimore. By the way, thanks to Raphael for watching the booth for us and letting us shop as much as we did. <laughs> on his 40th birthday, it wasn't exactly the 40th birthday he imagined, but he's he's a trooper. Um and we you know it was was it Sunday? I think it was Sunday. Things were getting a little dire for dealers, I think, on Sunday, because any number I threw out Richard, I don't know about you. Any number I threw out was almost instantly accepted. Mm-hmm. I mean, not even countered. Maybe I'm making great offers, but I wasn't even getting countered, were you? Uh no. I mean, people were
1: people were well, I take that back. Um people had their floor. They definitely mm-hmm. had their floor, but it, it it was easy to determine that. You you threw out a price and then they countered with what their what their best price was going to be. And Which was, you know, sometimes shockingly less than what they were asking for.
0: I saw this. First of all, I thought it was priced great in the first place. It is Police Trap number six. This is uh, one of those Kirby, Simon Kirby Mainline books, but this is after Mainline went under and they sold the inventory to Charlton. So you'll see the Charlton logo up there. They had two issues in the can when they went under. So Charlton published those last two issues. A uh, tough book, this uh, police trap, I would say is a six, oh, six, five, very strong. Mm-hmm. It was priced for $55. I was going to buy it for 55, but then I threw out 45 and she took it immediately. <laughs> and I took it immediately and it had a really uh, gnarly spine roll, which I pressed out this week. You can see the uh, beautiful result there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that nice. I remember
0: it with the spine roll. That's that's uh, a great job. No spine roll, no muss. So uh, police trap number six. Great Kirby cover. Look, I why would counterfeiters have two-way mirrors? In the world? <laughs>
1: uh, especially when we're and with a police officer standing there. That's yeah. and a camera.
0: That's that's uh, pretty pretty bad we, criminals. We trapped you because of your stupidity. <laughs> what do you got? Uh, next
1: I've got a couple books. You know, I, I'm, I'm collecting the Zoot series. So, um, I've got here Zoot number number 13. Um, this is 13. Uh, for those on a podcast, it's a Zoot. This is a, um, a Cayman cover with, uh, Did you confirm that's a Cayman? Um, i write it right better. now together. Shall we? Zoot 13, you say? Zoo 13, uh, cover A. There are two covers for this, a 13A and a 13B.
0: Uh, the interior story is Matt Baker. The cover is unknown. I'm looking at it right now. Okay. So, you know, hey, it's got Matt Baker inside. Yeah, it's
1: got Matt Baker uh, um, stories. This cover uh, is, is a, just a ruler who is the um, ruler of the jungle. She's sitting there with her coiffed black hair in a bikini. She's the ruler, ruler of the jungle, uh, being attacked by a, a bunch of, of looks like leopards, um, deformed leopards. <laughs> yeah, they, they definitely are stylistic. Uh, anyway, this 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 is one of my good girl covers. This book dates back to 1947, so you know you give a give a little bit of leeway for the the art. The art was still being formulated as to what was you know constitutes a good cover. So. Um, Anyway, this book is in lower grade. It's if you look at the bottom, it's there's a chunk out of the bottom of the cover and uh, there is some spine splitting uh, as well, but I only paid 75 actually paid. It says 75 when I paid less than that. Uh, I think I paid closer to 50 for this book. Um, And, you know, it's great. you know, I'm a firm believer in, you know, get a book at low grade and then you can always upgrade it to higher grades. Yes. So sometimes the lower grade satiates that urge that you have to get a book, period. And I'd much rather pay 50 bucks. And, and a lot of these zoots are starting to go up in value. They're, they're you know, they're approaching three, four hundred dollars uh, at these dealers. And um, now's the time to buy them. For sure. Um, you got a couple of them, right? Do you have another one or is that? The Actually, one? I do. I have a number 15 as well. This one's marked 125. This one's in better condition.
0: <laughs> That's the one where she's bigger than the gorilla that she's fighting on. The floor.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's fighting a gorilla. Uh, she's got a dagger and she's about to plunge it into this gorilla that she's um, either being very amorous with or she's attacking. Hey. Yeah, Hard to tell.
0: Cue, careless um, whisper, saxophone here.
1: <laughs> so this is in better condition. Um, I, I would say this is probably a 2.5. And, uh, I paid probably around a hundred bucks for it. It says I went 125, but again, I paid less. The dealers were willing to deal. There's not a lot of these books out there. So if, if you're in, interested in collecting good art from the golden age and you like people like Matt Baker, um, these books are, are, um, the best route to go right now. Some of his more expensive stuff. Like Phantom lady is kind of out of reach for most people.
0: Yeah, definitely uh, hold it that up again. That last one, hold it up to the camera. Are you brave enough to fix that spine roll?
1: If someone was were to make a video to show me how,
0: <sighs> my homework. I know guys, I know I keep promising you a video. I got to get to it. I yeah. swear. You know, and what's funny is I fixed spine rolls on 3 books this week and um I could have done the video then, but uh, we were tired. It was post Baltimore, this next one, Richard and I saw on the floor. My, eye went right to it. I was super excited. In fact, it was the same, uh, dealer, the same woman that had the, uh, police trap number six. And I saw this, took it off the wall, took it out of the bag, looked at it up and down. I was so tempted. It was $750. I couldn't bring myself to pull the trigger. I get home. The next morning, Monday morning, I get an alert from eBay that it's up for sale for $250. $250, I take that back, $275, I think they asked. $275 for it, buy it now. I looked at it, I hesitated. I looked at, there were several pictures. There were like 13, 14 pictures, front cover, back cover, corners, centerfold. It can't be. It's got to be a photocopy. It's got to be a fake. There's something going on. You know what? eBay protection. I love you. I'm going to take a chance. Buy it now. Biting my fingernails. It arrived two days later. Two days. Wow. Yellow claw number three. The last one I needed. That looks really good. It looks better than the one we saw in Baltimore. Wow. Uh and the one in Baltimore I thought was fairly priced at 750 this one ended up with tax costing me like 310 uh with tax and uh shipping I am grading this at a solid 65 maybe outside 70 wow. it's gorgeous it is the book that was in the pictures there is no fooling. uh you know, I it, there's so few that sell, so it's probably tough for someone that doesn't know any better to find a comp. The seller, the seller, um, mostly sells coins, so I think they're very unfamiliar with comics. I don't know. Th- did I rip them off? I don't. He asked that's price and you found that price fair and bought it. You know. Yeah. yeah. The only issue is that top of the the uh, cover there, the okay. corner. And you've got some production issues here where the pages were uh, too big, but you know, it had a, it did have a bit of a gnarly spine roll. I fixed that, so there she is, looking good. So guess what? Yellow Claw complete at long last. Uh, fireworks right now. This yeah. the journey. I mean, how long? Yellow Claw number one through four. The entire uh, length of this podcast. Is this is yeah. it existed
1: congratulations yeah you've had multiples of certain issues and none of of others so it's
0: been a journey I, I bought two number fours if you guys remember because i thought i needed a number four and i actually needed a number three um uh, done um since april 2020 all right so what do you hunt next venus oh there's a hole oh yeah yeah I, those deep pockets <laughs> i would like to do venus but no oh uh so uh yay me what do you have what's next Next I have another
1: reholder I, I, this book I bought cheaply because it had a crack case. Uh, Transformers number one. Um, I bought this book for like like five six hundred dollars. I can't remember because it has it had a case that had a crack in it um, and that devalues the book. So I bought it and then sent it off and um, sent it off just recently now uh, to get it reholder and now it's in a pretty new slab and you know i i'm you know given a lot of books i will buy books with crack cases my my um ultimate fallout 4 the jejevic variant that i bought i got it for 800 bucks because it had a crack case it's signed by bendis
0: um sent it off had a reholder you know You're not. you uh, look at the back cover of that the top back cover can you see it on your just take a look at yourself mm-hmm. do you see how it's jagged uh, where the, uh, blades were dull. Is it, does it have a jagged cut? No, this cut is nice and clean. Oh, wow. Okay. So you've got a really good one because that book is notorious. There's a production issue where the blades got dull somewhere through during the run. So you can get a nine, eight of that book with that jagged back cover. Uh, so the fact that you've got a nice, uh, clean one is really cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is a, uh... This is a good book. Uh, I, again, I sent it off to get reholdered. I'm always nervous because you send nine mm-hmm. eights off uh, with a p- potential being uh, regraded. That's always scary.
0: But we should uh, give, since we're talking CGC, we should give them some props too. Uh, we dropped books off at Baltimore on uh, Friday of mm-hmm. last week. Mine were received and scheduled for grading Friday yeah, of th- this week. Yep. Both of mine showed up, uh, for, for schedule for grading as well. We'll see magazine. We'll see, we'll see how long it takes for magazines to go through the cycle now. Five business days. Not too shabby. Uh, I, I, someone, I think it was Lee Niren, who asked us in the comments why we do drop-offs instead of mailing them. That's why, um, you save on postage and uh-huh. for, I don't, I can't prove it, but every time I do a drop off, my books get received immediately as opposed to when I send them in, they end up sitting on a shelf. Well, look for, at Dave.
1: look at our friend David who came all the way up from Australia to submit his books. Yeah. of course he had some very high value books, and you know, you know, to me it makes sense. If you have high value books, turn them in directly to CGC as opposed to trusting trust the post office. It's yeah. one less potential link in the chain that that can fail.
0: I think Lee is worried that they would get damaged you know from the convention to uh-huh.
1: sarasota
0: lee quite the opposite uh i think they take extra care and uh extra uh packaging as opposed to trusting it with the postal service uh i would rather do that so this has been the week of john back on ebay grabbing deals for long wanted books this book it's not really for me it's for rafael but i've been looking for this book forever for him and it's come up here and there and sold for just ridiculous amounts that I refuse to pay. This is another one that came in my eBay alerts. And the opening bid was super low uh-huh. for the condition. So I waited. Nobody else was bidding on it. I just watched it 30 seconds before the auction ended. I put in a stalking bid of $5 above the opening bid, $5. uh-huh. $5.83. Um, and I got it. This is. Magazine number 21. <laughs> nice. This is the first U.S. appearance of Sailor Moon. And yes. it was when the show first premiered in the 90s. Uh, it's got about half of this issue are character profiles of all the Sailor Moon universe. Uh, and it looks gorgeous, right? Mm-hmm. It's got a tape pool oh, right here no. which is why you know the the, the seller was mess. very honest and that's why they had priced it they had priced it at 249.95 that's mm-hmm. what i got it for uh pre-tax and, and shipping and uh i'm we're happy with it you know uh i think after a press it'll be like a nine two structurally mm-hmm. i don't think cdc is going to give it more than a 7.5 with the tape pull, but. If we get a seven seven point five, we're happy with it for two fifty. Yeah, absolutely. Now here's a question: Is Rafa going to read it before you get it pressed and slapped? He already did. He already walked. He already w- flew through it, and he took pictures of the pages because he doesn't <laughs> want to read it. <laughs> that's awesome. Read it on his phone. uh uh-huh, that's great. Oh, so, uh, this is it, magazine. We've been looking for this another one we've been looking for for years, and finally got it. Awesome. This is the week, man. Congrats, Things Rafa. are falling from the sky. No,
1: it's been it's been kind of quiet on on this side of the pond. They uh, mm-hmm. just have not uh, been purchasing a lot. Uh, I do have some books in transit, so hopefully next week we'll see some more. Uh, next one is a book that um, you hit me up to. This is Vicky Number One. This is Atlas Comics. Um, it's a it's uh, let's, let's called it an homage to <laughs> um, to Archie Archie Comics. It's the same art style. Why do you say that? that? Oh, boy, that's a good question, because there's a redheaded boy and a a brunette and a blonde on the cover. (laughs) It looks Um, nothing like Archie. (laughs) But you were telling me this is this is a, a, you know, one of the toughest books in the Atlas comic, uh, uh, you know, publication to get.
0: That is the toughest Atlas comic book. Who's our Australian friend, not David, someone else in Australia. Uh, oh, I'm blanking on your name. I please forgive me. He did point out there's a mag, an Atlas magazine called Gothic romances, which is even tougher, but I'm not counting magazines. That's the toughest Atlas comic. Uh-huh. Vicky yeah. one through four.
1: I'm a, you know, me, I'm a good girl art fan and girl in the bikini on the cover is great. Uh, and, and the fact that it has that kind of tie into Archie, I couldn't pass up, so, yeah, uh, it's smart for 40 bucks. I got it for half, half that. So, wow, yeah,
0: it was. Um, was, was it a half off booth, or did you say I'll give you twenty? Oh, okay, half off booth. Nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, lots of artists there. We'll hit that in a few minutes in viewer mail. Uh, one of my favorite artists of all time was there, Kevin McGuire. I've never been into a show where Kevin no. McGuire. Okay. And I got a commission from Kevin McGuire. Uh, I said I wanted a Hercules bust. And he said, okay, what? and he, he, his Kevin McGuire is known for his facial expressions. He's very good at facial expressions. So he had a little sheet and it had your name, character name you wanted expression that you wanted, and he would write it down. And I told him, oh, make him drunk and goofy like Hercules, you know, he's Hercules. So here is drunk, goofy Hercules <laughs> by Kevin McGuire to, awesome. add to the Hercules wall. He does look drunk. He does look goofy. And he looks uh, very realistic. Uh, so there you go, my Kevin McGuire original art.
1: That looks awesome.
0: Uh, the last book I have is actually a book that um, the the
1: actual um, publisher came up to us. Uh, this is Eugene Alien Warrior. This is a book that's coming up on Indiegogo uh, for a, um, you know, it's independent print run. Uh, and it's, uh, I, the, the the uh, the publisher the the person who's putting up an Indiegogo he's got a bunch of Brazilian artists and he has another group of writers uh, so it's a you know it's an interesting story and if if you have an opportunity stop by Indiegogo look up Eugene Alien Warrior and check it out uh, I'd love to support uh, our independent publishers because I think they are the way of freedom from the, the you know the bondage that we are with DC and, and Marvel, um in terms of just, just overall content. I mean those both those publishers are locked into a specific kind of content. So the more independent publishers we have the better. Uh, it's also a black owned company, which is something I'm sensitive to. So yeah, check out Eugene Alien Warrior on Insta in uh, Instagogo. And uh if you
0: like it, support it. I cannot support that book, Richard. Why not? For the simple reason is he did not give me a copy. well i'm sure if you reach out he will how dare you no of course go to indiegogo and search for eugene uh alien warrior uh last book for show and tell i got uh i gosh i want to say from buzzard brothers uh and they know me they know the show they know you they know what we like enough said
1: uh for those for those who are listening on the podcast it is a feature comics with Dollman tied up in in a glass uh pitcher that is He's tied to a brick tied to a brick <laughs> and it's slowly filling with water. Uh that poor man gets tortured in so many different ways.
0: I have to go through here this book. I i flipped through it while while I uh before I pressed it. And cleaned it uh, by the way it's feature comics number 84 one another one that's been on my ebay alerts list for a couple of years and i've never physically seen a copy on come up on ebay except there's a cover that somebody's trying to sell a cover yeah. for 20 bucks i don't want just the cover um so I've, i'm glad i got it. thank you buzzer brothers for thinking of me and, and saying hey here's a Dollman man Bottage cover for you john <laughs> it's one of the ones i needed um and inside there are so many panels where he's bending over uh he's posed provocatively i swear you guys follow us on instagram at Bronze and modern gods i will go through and post a bunch of these this week so you don't think i'm i'm m- messing with you they knew exactly who their audience was for this book in 1946. <laughs> that's awesome so there you go speaking of baltimore and your questions and comments about our trip it's time for viewer mail you've got mail one comes from our email at bronze and modern gods at gmail.com from chris langley who writes hey love getting to meet both of you at baltimore comic con this past weekend john i hope you enjoy the captain america print i do thank you very much for that living on the east coast baltimore is the biggest convention i attend each year but would love to one day make it to san Diego." In your opinion, how do Baltimore and San Diego compare in regards to the comic creator guests in attendance? Please keep putting out the great content. Love the show, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Richard, you've been to both. What do you think? Oh, boy. Um, Well, first of all, the conventions
1: have a different focus, I believe. Uh, San Diego is more pop culture, media, so you get more movies, you get TV shows. Uh, and that that tends to be a bigger part of the focus. Now last this, this, this year that we've been in, um, the strike kind of put a kibosh in the line, a lot of that. So I feel this year was closer to what we see in Baltimore, which is more comic books uh, focused.
0: Uh, Chris, I'll tell you my honest opinion, going to San Diego for uh, the last 30 plus years. And this being my first time in Baltimore, I had more FaceTime and more conversations and better luck getting commissions at Baltimore than I ever have in San Diego with artists. Yeah. If you're looking for artists, I would stick with Baltimore. There's no real reason for you to go to San Diego. If that's what you're looking for, San Diego is, I always tell people, San Diego is like Las Vegas. You gotta go at least once in your life and experience it, but you don't have to go back. If you are not feeling it,
1: not only that, but if you're looking to meet these artists and get commissions from the lines are going to be a lot shorter at Baltimore. Than they're going to be at San Diego, so if that's your focus. Absolutely, show up early on uh, uh, for Baltimore. Get in line one morning, and you'll you'll still wait most likely, but it's it's going to be a fraction of
0: the time you would wait in San Diego especially if you're into bronze age, because I mean, they were in copper age, it was like Alex Saviak and Joe Rubenstein and, mm-hmm. uh, Bob McLeod. And just, you know, it was people from our time. It, whereas San Diego's the, the flavor of the week with a few big booths like Alex Ross and stuff like that. So yeah. that's my, that's our opinion. There you go.
1: Yep. Okay. Uh, my first piece of email is from second best Bob 28. This is from uh, a YouTube comment um what amazing story i had i had heard about it but it's great to hear it from the actual family he's talking about the fantastic collection Mm. uh and uh becoming super being superman what was what's the name of the Uh, selling superman selling superman sorry selling superman um i do however have an unreasonable dislike for the collection name Mm -hmm. i mean is it cool sled for fantastic i didn't get that was one of the questions that i had uh for him why that particular name uh do you happen to know
0: john i don't but it doesn't bug me i mean he probably couldn't maybe there was uh some some copyright trademark reason why he can't say the fantastic collection maybe somebody else had that or you know uh, there might be a story behind it we'll have to ask darren uh about that and let you guys know if you haven't seen that that's actually one of the videos we reposted in higher quality this past week just go to our channel and look for the video with Darren and the Fantastic Collection. Nice guy. He's um, going to look for a couple of books from me, Richard.
1: No, he's a great guy. Uh, and, and, you know, told a very human story about his relationship with his father and how the collection revolved or, for, or was a part of that. So it's, I, again, I, I always love to hear stories that humanize comic book collectors as opposed to, you know, this stereotypical one uh, view that some people have. So this mm-hmm. definitely did, and and uh, I wish him luck in managing the collection because it's more than just selling it. He is actually adding to it at the same time too. So, you know, it's yeah. going to be a lifelong yeah. travel journey for
0: him. If you look on his Instagram this week, a uh, fantastic uh, collection uh, on Instagram. He uh, won some books in the Heritage auction this week, and one of them was a Peanuts number one, four point five. <laughs> Man after my own heart. Yep. I have a 5-0, Darren. <laughs> All right. My next piece of viewer mail is from our email at Gods at gmail.com from a great name, Dr. BoomTube. <laughs> hey, John and Richard. Thanks so much for the free entertainment. First one's free, kid. I have a couple of questions, comments. John, you may remember that I bought some books from you recently. And in our IGDMs, I mentioned I'd love if you and Richard would give your thoughts on the potential of the, quote, last newsstands quote to explode in time would love for your honest thoughts as i understand it the last marvel newsstands were 2013 with dc in 2018 high grade copies of big keys like ultimate fallout 4 obviously command a lot of attention but by all accounts those keys were at least some of the more widely known newsstand variants will they continue to go up in value will rare impossible to find and good grade random books like thunderbolts number four go up The possibilities loom endlessly in my mind, John and Richard. The last newsstands, he says. (laughs) Dr. Boomtube, I think newsstands are going to be like Mark's Jewelers variants or 35 cent variants or Pence variants. I think there will be a subset, a core of people, a sliver of the general population that will desire these things and want them and they're they're so ocd that you know i don't know i can't think of an example offhand like you know some some goofball that loves ultimate fallout 4 and must have every variant made <laughs> anybody know anybody like that oh, no. um so there's always going to be demand you even mentioned ultimate fallout 4. i think you've you're on to something You know, I don't want to hype them up because I have no interest in those newsstands, but I do love the thrill of the hunt and to find, you know, uh, an ASM, whatever issue from 2013, that's a newsstand that was only at Barnes and Noble and a few other outlets at that point. That's, that is kind of cool to me and interesting. Do I hunt them out specifically? And do I think a, a huge number of people will? I don't think so, but I think, I think they'll have a bump.
1: I, you know, I I love your characterization of it being like Mark Jewelers, mm-hmm. and uh, because I I totally agree, it is not a different book. People like like ASM 300, uh, first first Venom, the newsstand ver- version of that book goes for almost twice what the uh, direct version goes. It's the same book yep. as you know. It has the same indicia, it has the same in- 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 internals. The only thing that's different is that barcode on the cover versus, you know, the Spider-Man
0: face. It survives on a spinner rack in Lawson's Dairy Mart.
1: Right. Um, It is substantively not a different comic. It just has that variance in it, just like the Pence books has small variance in the cover Uh, and the Mark Jewelers has that insert. So uh, long term, I I do see it being just um, appealing to the niche for most of the books. There are going to be some exceptions. I think ASM 300, because of the, the momentum behind the values of that, uh, those newsstands are going to continue to hold value. They just, you know, the ultimate Fallout 4s, all the all the big famous books are going to uh, have a substantial difference between newsstand and direct. But that's just because of historic values. But for the most part, I think newsstands are just another another variant, and I and I don't see there being a huge premium over them because. They just happen to be on a spinner rack now. They, they may be difficult to get on higher grades because of the fact that they weren't protected, um, but that doesn't mean that I think they're they are um, standouts above and beyond just to normal direct. Unless it's a key, yeah. The keys always have their own. You know the market. The market makes its own rules. The yeah. market decided Hulk one eighty one is the first appearance of the Hulk. i <laughs> uh, sorry of uh, Wolverine. Um, so yeah, the market makes its own rules for keys. So whatever whatever it happens to be, you, you're going to pay what the market deems as being what the value is, and I think we're going to see some some um, uh, some difficulty in in normalizing the price of those those high high value keys. All right, what's your next piece of viewer mail? My next piece of viewer mail is from a friend of the show, um, Matter One Three Six, and. Uh, he made those awesome Key and Grails books that uh, we showed off uh, a couple of months ago. And I just pulled this comment up because I had missed it and didn't get a chance to, to post it. Thanks for the shout out on my Keys and Grails books. I hope you enjoy them. And yes, I definitely self-published those. Cheers. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, this is rat316 is, uh, I think, his other handle. Love um, you more. <laughs> These uh, the books are amazing. He he um, uh, produced one that has a bunch of ads in it. And one of the ads is Bronze and Modern Gods. And mm-hmm. We put, posted that on Instagram uh, a couple of months ago. But uh, I appreciate it. He, he sent us books. Um, he sent us several books and he sent me a really cool Doom corner box. And it's really been just supportive and I appreciate uh, him thinking of us and um, and, you know, just including us in his journey. So thanks again.
0: Thank you. Uh, my last piece of your mail is from Zach Brobst here on YouTube. I swear I covered the whole floor at Baltimore twice only found one vendor selling love and rockets, but sadly no issue 24s sad report. I also missed the Wacoom booth too. How could you have (laughs) missed that booth? You can see us from space. (laughs) It was radioactive. It was glowing so much. Uh uh yeah i didn't see a lot of love and rockets except for that issue one slab at that one dealer um i did see a lot of magazine boxes though i saw a strong number of retailers that brought magazine boxes i didn't paw through them i don't know what i was thinking i should have maybe i should have grabbed all those 24 before you zach
1: um
0: (laughs) but you know i'm a bummer um keep looking for them they're out there uh, you might get lucky and find them for four ninety nine at 99 show. Yeah. Like know. some people. <laughs> What's your last piece of your mail? My last
1: piece is from Jorge um, uh, Martinez, KZ5EZ. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, I really, recently sent in a, a modern book to get pressed and graded for signature series. This is a CGC. For the life of me, I cannot get a 9-8 from CGC to save my life. Hmm. So, um, See, I see people getting 9.8s for bad books, and my books to the naked eye, uh, you cannot find one blemish. What really gets my goats is no greater notes, so I do not know why I got a 9.6. That is really, really frustrating when you send in a book that you look at, and I've done this multiple times. You look at, and it is flawless. There is nothing. You've pressed it, and it is a flat sheet, every molecule aligned on that top. There are no other flaws in the book. You send it in confidence you're going to get a 9.8. You know, you're you're fantasizing about getting a 9-9 because this is just that good of a book. And then you get it back and it comes back a 9.6. And because the higher uh, grades don't get greater notes, you have absolutely no no idea why it got a 9-6 or what what brought it down in the graders uh, opinion to a, a 9-6 from a 9-8. That It is really, really frustrating. But we have to realize that the grading of books is a total, um, it, I shouldn't say total, it is a human process. It's managed by humans and, and you get supposedly by CGC, three different people examining your books and the consensus grade is what you get. So if if um, not everyone agreed, then you're going to get a, you know, a, a lower grade. So I, I don't know, I don't have any magic sauce that I could tell you to sprinkle on your books um, before you send them in to, to get a 9.8. Um, there is no way you can get a specific grader. Um, it, it really, 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 really is just up to the opinion of the graders as they look at your book. And, you know, they're human beings and they have off days and that's possibly a a, a thing to it. All I could say is, I even mean, if it's, if it's a book that really, really matters the difference between a nine, six and a nine, eight, let's say on ASM three, three Oh one, which of uh, the um, Spider-Man in his original costume after, after Venom in nine, eight, it's a, it's a valuable book in any other grade. It's, it's not. So if you got a nine, six in that book, you know, you may want to contemplate sending it back in again, you know, take a look at it, maybe press it again. If you think it needs it, if not, turn it around and send it in again and, and potentially um you'll get a different set of graders and you might get a nine eight but for the most part if you get a nine six you know it 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 means either a you've missed something and good luck finding it because they're not going to call it out or or b you know the graders for some reason feel that uh it does not meet the the standard of other nine eights that they've graded and uh you're you're kind of out of luck there so yeah, I don't I don't have any any magic uh, bullet. What about you, John? Do you have any 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 suggestions?
0: Jorge, I for one welcome our AI greater overlords. <laughs> yeah, that's common. That's definitely that's coming. Coming. Uh Jorge. The only thought I have and this is it's tough love. I'm not picking on you. I'm not saying you're not doing this just gonna, I just have to say it. How harshly are you grading your books yourself before you send them in? Are you, are you tilting them in the light? Do you have a strong light so you can see any finger bends, anything that might need to be pressed out? Um, I am concerned that you say you sent it in to get pressed and graded. So you're trusting them to press your book. There's that. Um, so just be real harsh on yourself, Jorge, before you send it in. If you, the, the reason why I'm saying this, is because I, I agree with you. Sometimes you just can't help it. It comes back a 9.4 sometimes. You're like, what the hell? Um, What the thing that stood out on your comment, Jorge, that makes me say this is you say you cannot for the life of you get a 9.8. So it sounds like this is a consistent issue for you. Be brutal, dude. I mean, you gotta look for every flaw, thumbprint, uh, a scraped corner, a color rub by the back staple. Any of those are gonna get you a 9.6. Uh, try pre-screening too. If you're sick of wasting money, pay the five, is it seven now? Maybe it's seven bucks for a pre-screen. And if it's not a nine, eight, you don't waste the money and you can try again. So good luck to you, Jorge. Just be brutal.
1: Yeah. They pulled the limit to pre-screen so you can send in, um, it used to be 25 books, but I don't think you need to do that anymore. One One trick that I found, take your cell phone, turn the flashlight on and turn the camera on and look at your book through the lens of you know from from the camera it, it kind of separates you your your eye normally is, is is glossing over things because you're seeing it the way you you know you normally see it but if you're looking through a camera lens you're kind of removed from it and I think you remove yourself far enough that those flaws or any issues may show up and uh, this is a trick that I use just to go over books and I, I catch myself finding things like fingerprints. Yeah. Uh, uh, because, you know, now I'm not looking at the book directly, but I'm looking through, you know, this third party and those kind of flaws become more evident.
0: Yeah, Jorge, it just comes with time. I mean, uh, when I started slabbing books, I had books I thought were slam dunks. And they came back seven fives. And I'm, what do they do to my book? And then I went and looked and I'm like, oh yeah, I missed that. So uh, good luck to you. Um, Richard, what did we do before we had cell phones with lights to inspect our books, like say way back twenty-five years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Twenty-five year old. Oh (laughs) C
1: plus. Yeah. C C plus maybe. You know, are you are you really examining closely there, John? Your my, my segways you're great on your segues.
0: <laughs> oh yes yes uh hey today uh this one is super interesting to me it is spider girl number one uh started off as a one-shot alternate timeline story in what if and sold well enough that it spun off to its own book it's the first mm-hmm. issue of the long-running series featuring may mayday parker I have the son, the daughter of Peter and Mary Jane Parker in an alternate timeline. This series ran for 100 issues before being rebooted, and then it ran another 30 issues starting in 2006. This was the series that would not die no matter what. Uh, Bill Gemis, the publisher at the time, president of Marvel, Joe casada they hated this book but kept selling just enough to stave off cancellation. It was continually slated for cancellation all throughout its run, only to get several last-minute reprieves to keep it alive. And one of the things people hated about this book, Richard, which sounds so funny to say in 2023, it takes place in an alternate reality, an alternate universe with a different Spider-Man. Who would ever want to read that? That's stupid. (laughs) Wow it didn't count, you know, air quotes. And here we are, we've got spider verse all over the place and 8,000 spider variants. And, you know, spider girl was the first, uh, I don't think it gets respect for being the first. I don't think Tom DeFalco, uh, gets respect for and Ron friends for coming up with an alternate spider character that, you know, caught on early. Mm-hmm. Let's give spider girl some love people. The 90 day GPA, Average for a CGC nine point eight is a whopping one hundred dollars. That's down from one hundred and sixty two dollars during the Great Comic Boom of twenty twenty two. Richard, did you ever read Spider Girl? No,
1: uh, I did. I did read the one, the uh, the What If book. I think the What If book has uh, has a higher value than this. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, and that's that's kind of you know Spider Girl. That's that's the book you focus on in terms of collecting.
0: I, I never actually read the ongoing series. It was good. Uh, it started off with Tom DeFalco and Patrick Oluf. And then when Ron friends comes on, that's when it takes off. And you know, it was at one point it was the only spider related book I was reading. Yeah. Wow. Couldn't, couldn't take the regular Spider-Man title. Uh, so <laughs> spider girls where I got my fix. Uh, speaking of fix and musicians and drugs, <laughs> <underrated> <laughs> Books of the week. Richard, take it away. Yeah, I'm, I'm, were you? Do you know this book, John? I am aware of it because uh, it. This is one of the books that speaks to my DNA, and yet I've never bought it, never read it. People have tried to force this book on me at comic shops, uh, <laughs> and I don't know if I have a visceral reaction against it. But
1: tell people what it is. Uh, it's phonogram number one. Uh, this is Image Comics back in uh, two thousand six. Uh, it's a comic book series uh, created by writer uh, Kieran Gillen and artist Jamie McKelvey. Ran six issues, there's, but there's three different volumes of this. And this is a book written for Johns. It's all about uh, it's a, this concept of phonomancers, which who are magicians that derive their power from music, um, pretty much uh, British pop. You know these. You know the series delves into the cops, c- the cultural uh, and magical significance of music, particularly in context of Brit pop. And rock history, so there's a lot of mentions of different bands uh, from the era, uh, the Buzzcocks, um, you know, a lot of a lot of '80s bands, a lot of '80s, 80s music. As a matter of fact, um, at the back of each issue, uh, they include all the different bands and songs that were mentioned in the story, uh, which is pretty cool because there's some I, I was going through and pulling things out and, and uh, things that I didn't know. Uh, so that was really, really, really interesting. Uh, I will say the story is very, very dense in that you, 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 you have to pick up a lot of context from the conversation as you're reading it. It doesn't hold your hand to tell you what's going on, which is good and bad. You know, um, it's good because the story moves, you know, it's, it's, there's no filler. But at the same time, you're 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 reading and almost taking notes so that you can understand what things are going on. Um, if you're not a big music person, it's still it's still a series to to read because the the stories get it gets more interesting as, as far. I am I'm up to issue number three in the series at this point. Um, but it, it definitely is something that um, requires some commitment to you can't just pick it up and toss it down is what I'm saying. Um, GP on this book, you know, uh, 9.8 sold in 2019 for $32. So not really a high value book. Um, although they've reprinted this book, uh, if you want to buy the, the, uh, the reprints, that might be a good thing. Raw's 10, 20 bucks. So really doesn't matter if you want the reprints or not, you can get the originals for a reasonable price. But I think it's an interesting concept using, using music as uh, a source of, uh, magic and, um, and it's, it's not the cast fireballs kind of magic. It's more magic with a K um, but it's it, to so far it's been an interesting story. And I, I came across it and I was reading it and I thought, you know, John, must know something about this,
0: but the covers always caught me because they were very, uh, very much homages to a lot of Brit pop stuff. Like there's a homage to pulp, uh, blur there's Elastica. So yeah, absolutely. I guess, ah, uh, breakdown, uh, uh. I still have to read Hickman's X-Men run. You guys are on me about, uh, I'm busy you people. Uh, but yeah, but I love the covers. Uh, yeah. this is something that I don't think will ever be adapted for movies or TV because the music licensing would be insane. Right. Right. You know, so obviously they wrote it for the love of the medium. So they didn't write it with an eye to uh, getting a kidding, a studio <laughs> deal, uh, unless they know a music supervisor that works on cheap Richard. You picked one for me. I kind of picked this for you, sort of, maybe. It's Wheelie and the Chopper Bunch number two. <laughs> While the first professionally published art by John Byrne was a backup featured in Giant Size Dracula number five, this comic book, Wheelie and the Chopper Bunch, issue two, is the first comic book to feature all John Byrne art in all the stories. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who are Um, under the age of 45. Wheelie and the Chopper Bunch was a Hanna-Barbera cartoon from the mid-70s that featured cars and motorcycles that could talk. Hey, Disney, you ripped us off for cars. Uh, Except for the star Wheelie, for some reason. Uh, Wheelie, remember he could only communicate by showing words flashed on his windscreen? Mm, You've got Goofy and Donald Duck and Pluto walking around having conversations. Meanwhile, Pluto... It's like, there's uh, the logic here. Uh, Mid grade raws of Wheelie and the Chopper Bunch number two sell for around fifteen and twenty bucks on eBay. Strangely, there is no GPA data for slabs on this. So, does no one give a
1: crap? I, that's interesting. I mean, you would think you know, Burn fans would would uh, buy a copy of this, you know, because if you're collecting all Burns this is something that you want to to have, but uh, you know, I, I remember, I remember wheeling the chopper bunch from, from back in the day, vaguely. Um, it's not, you know, it, it was no grape ape. <laughs> it was, it wasn't no, you know, uh, it definitely wasn't, um, I, I don't think uh, one of the, one of the ones that, that holds a lot of nostalgia. So I'm not overly surprised that people, people don't uh, flock to this book as opposed to, other books like Josie and the Pussycats and and um, you know, there's there's a ton of 70s comics uh, cartoons that uh, were made into comics that I think are more popular. But still, you know, this brings back memories. And uh, the, the tie in with Burn is is awesome. Um, if I come across this, I'll pick a copy up. Who would win
0: in a road race to the death wheeling the chopper bunch or the CB Bears? <laughs> I'm guessing the CB Bears, they're in semis.
1: Yeah, I, I think that kind of, yeah, I think mass wins out.
0: <laughs> Do we need to uh, just cover the Hair Bear Bunch in a future episode or Hong Kong Fui? Oh, man. Oh, man. Great, baby. Uh, Gorilla. Try him. Buy him. Take them home and try. <laughs> Lyrics. The Gila Gorilla for sale. Hey, everybody, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ron's and Modern Gods. If you want to see Doll Man bend over this week, we'll have images of that. Uh, <laughs> hit like hit subscribe.
1: <laughs> when John will open his own comic art with OnlyFans
0: channel. <laughs> hey, I am all about multiple revenue streams. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Everybody, stay
1: safe.